Welcome to Good Business, a weekly podcast to help you create a business that is good for people, planet, and the profit line. Hi, I'm Chris Edwards. I'm a serial entrepreneur. You may know me from my first business, Honeycombers, which is a digital lifestyle guide, providing you with everything you need to know to enjoy your local city. We operate in Singapore, Hong Kong, and Bali, and this year we're in our 15th year of operation. Or perhaps you know me as the founder of Launchpad, a community movement designed to support entrepreneurs who aspire to create conscious companies. On this podcast, we're going to explore the ups and downs of the entrepreneurial ride and understand how successful and clever innovators and business leaders bring people, planet and profit together to build better businesses. So what does it take to create a heart-led business? Join me and together we're going to learn how to create a good business. Before we do, I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that I am recording this podcast on, Bundjalung Country. And I pay my respects to the elders past and present, and I extend my respects to all traditional cultures. All right, let's get into it. Today, we're welcoming Alia Anabi. This young entrepreneur is the founder of Green Push, a business that provides sustainability education programs that inspire, educate, and engage employees to make lasting changes. In this interview, she talks about how small action can have big impact, the power of working with a mentor, and how she single-handedly created communities by door-knocking and inspiring others to make habit changes. Hey, Aaliyah, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I feel like we're in for a real treat today. Um, I mean, we started our relationship by me stalking you on LinkedIn, and I just love what Green Push is and and what you're doing. Um, Let's start there. Can you just share what is Green Push? Yes, sure. Thank you. So Green Push has been created actually this year. We are here to inspire, educate and engage the next generation of sustainability champions. So basically, we're just helping companies create their own green communities because I definitely believe in the power of communities. And when you bring people together, they can definitely be the driver of good, sustainable change. And creating communities is kind of your special gift, I believe. Um, And once you joined the Launchpad community, we had other members say, oh, my God, yes, she saved us during COVID. So can you share with us what other communities have you created and and what's your experience in building communities? Yeah, sure. So actually (laughs) I ended up doing it out of uh, frustration because when I changed neighborhood in Singapore, um, it was in 2020 with COVID, I arrived in this new super nice neighborhood. And I, when I would go down to the bins, I would just see this amount of trash, just people dumping things that definitely shouldn't be there. Like I would find, I don't know, beautiful carpets, golf bags, microwaves. I mean, yoga mats. For me, it was not supposed to be in the bin area. So that's where I thought, okay, how can I make my neighbors donate instead of just trashing and put this in the bins? So I was like, okay, I'm a new neighbor. So let's create a WhatsApp group and put these people together. And then 
at least I will have a space where I can donate instead of going downstairs. So I would just go like climb floor by floor and then knock on my uh, neighbor's doors and then just tell them, okay, there's this new community and that's why we exist. We are here, you know, to reduce the amount of waste. And it's so uh, much easier for you to snap a picture instead of just going down the bin and then throw this away. Because for me, to drive change, it has to, you have to remove the friction, right? Like if you want to, have a change but it's like difficult for people or it's like they won't they won't do it so to really change that you need to make remove as much barriers as possible and that's what I did so it was much easier for them to just post a picture and yeah so we started with 20 people and then word of mouth uh, was there so now we are more than 130 people on this community and we have saved and rescued and borrowed and shared more than 3,500 items. So yeah, pretty cool. (laughs) That's really cool. And it's great that you've been able to track that and actually really measure the impact you've had because that's also a big secret to how to feel good about creating change and having impact really is tracking it. But yeah, tell me, you've created a number of communities. So tell me about that community in Bali. When I arrived in Bali at uh, the beginning of this year, I really wanted to connect with other, you know, sustainability-minded people, but I couldn't find any. I couldn't find any group. And I was like, I'm sure there are people who are as passionate as me. So, you know, let's just also create a group. So actually, on my way to Bali, I already created the group called Sustainability. So you can hear the word, the play of words. And I just posted on Facebook, on some communities, existing communities. And I was really, really amazed by how people were like so thrilled to join this WhatsApp group because you could feel that it didn't exist. And I was so happy to meet with other people who were also doing amazing things. And I was just amazed by, it was honestly like three or four days after I arrived in Bali, people started introducing themselves. We organized a dinner. We were like 16 people around the table and everyone was sharing about what they created, what NGO they were working with, people creating eco resorts and doing so many amazing projects. And I'm like, wow, that's that's so beautiful. And Towards now, like a few months later, I'm so happy to hear stories of, oh, Alia, thanks to Sustainability, I connected with this person and now we are collaborating on this project. So it's just for me, that's that's why we need communities. We need to connect people because when, when you do amazing things, but you're on your own, then, you know, it's you can do so much more when you are uh, with other people and you can drive so much bigger actions. You're quite a change maker and and I wonder how did you create this or become this person who likes to encourage and foster change? Is this something that you had as a child or is this something that has come from your passion? How have you become a change maker? Uh, I've never thought of myself as a change maker. I mean, I've just thought of myself as a person of action. You know, I, I like doing things, right? But for me, when I arrived in Singapore a few years ago, it was just this shock of the amount of plastic I could see. It was just like, because I did my studies in France and there there was this single-use plastic ban in supermarkets. And so I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be around me. And then I arrived in Singapore and it was just like, you know, you go to the supermarket, you buy a few products and it's like one plastic bag almost per product. And I'm like, whoa, that's so much packaging. Just why, you know, what's the reason behind so that's where I started doing my own little research, how I can, you know, reduce my own uh, waste impact. And then I just came across so many 
perfect environmentalist on on internet doing you know okay amazing things there are all these uh, zero waste people having uh, such a little amount of trash and then honestly it grew in me some kind of big frustration because i felt like oh how come i cannot be like them and also fell into the trap of oh if i want to be zero waste then i need to have this and this item in my life so it kind of pushed me into consuming more where I actually didn't really need. So I didn't really question my needs at that time. And then after a while, like I felt really like, you know, anxious and then lonely in my journey because I wouldn't see change happening. Obviously it cannot happen overnight. Mm. And did you ever have challenges where you came across people that were very set in their ways or had very preconceived notions? You know, was there anything shocking about the lack of awareness when you started to start with these knowledge sessions? Yeah, so, I mean, I haven't really had, like, big challenges because my approach has always been a very positive approach to the topic, like showing to people that as individuals, they can do, they cannot do everything, but they can at least do something. And that's the something that for me, if they do one thing, is for me, that's already a big win. And at the end of the day, I've ne- I've always like had this approach where I'm like, I'm not he- here to convince you. I'm here to make you think. That's all. So I think that when you take this angle, it's much easier because of course you're going to come across people who either don't want to change or they don't understand why or they really don't care. So, like, I give you an example. Let's say, for example, in Singapore at the beginning, I was really, like, amazed by, you know, how uh, cheap the food was in uh, hawker centers. Like, oh, my God, I can have a chicken rice for $4. That's so cool. Like, it's so cheap. And now, of course, now I don't, I I had one time a conversation of understanding what was uh, behind that chicken that was so cheap. So, for me, instead of saying, you know, you shouldn't eat meat, don't eat meat, it's bad, maybe you can just say, have you ever wondered why your chicken is so cheap? And then the person would be like, no, not really. Okay, yeah. And then I can explain a little bit further. Or have you ever wondered why when you buy your top at a fast fashion brand, it was only like $10 or less? Yeah, no, I like it's cheap, but no, I don't know why it's so cheap. And then you can just bring on the topic and then you kind of open their eyes on this. Yeah, and it's a journey, right? Like it's a it's a gradual journey of uh, awakening and discovery. And you know, once you do start to question, then you get hungry for more information. And there's so much, I suppose, great content out there. But I think that's a really beautiful approach to be like. I just want people to think because, yeah, I suppose the the challenge we have is people aren't aren't really thinking. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And at the end of the day, there's no like one solution fits all. So I feel like when you hear people saying, oh, you shouldn't fly, it's so bad, or you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't eat meat. Yes, of course, there's so many things we shouldn't do. Or, But at the end of the day, humans are just, you know, we are creators that do things unconsciously. Like 95% of what we do is completely unconscious. So that's why I believe in the power of communities because we are influenced by what other people do. So that's why we, if you surround yourself with people doing good and better actions, that's why you will be feel entitled to kind of follow the group and also do better. And just switching gears, I'd love to talk a bit more about Green Push as a business. I think it's a really needed product and, you know, that's one of the reasons you're coming into Honeycombers next week to, to talk to our team. And I, I'm excited by what you're creating and 
just the fact that if we can awaken corporates and employees as a whole and and get people to be more conscious and think more about the $4 chicken rice and the $5 shirt, how much impact it will have. But tell me, where are you at in the Green Push journey? How long ago did you start Green Push and and what are you doing day to day to to build the business? Uh, Thank you for for this question. So I created Green Push uh, actually in April this year. So um, when I started, I just as I mentioned, very action person. So went into action mode, not even thinking once about why I was doing this. Just I was just wanted to keep on spreading the knowledge. So I think it's, uh, as you mentioned, you know, it's also a journey. And um, it's for me at the beginning, it just started by wanting to kind of spread the knowledge as much as I could to everyone, businesses, uh, uh, people like do, going B2C, going B2B, just going everywhere. And doing all, all of it by myself. And it took me, honestly, months to understand that you cannot, first, you need to rely on people. You don't have all the competencies. And as much passion as you can have, you need to also have like a strategy, a plan. So what helped me is that I got into a program organized by WWF and Green is a New Black called We Got This. And it, it started with the sustainability bootcamp. And then um, they kind of give you some kind of mentorship for about six months. So I had a mentor following me uh, every month. Uh, so then that's where I had started having these sessions with her. And at some point in September, she was like, Alia, you're going everywhere. You're going all over the place and you're wasting your energy. You're definitely going nowhere at the end of the day. So just choose a direction and stick to it. Choose a first step. And actually that's what I'm doing in my... Um, in the talks that I'm giving, the awareness talk, is that I'm asking people to take a first step. Because, you know, when you start your own green journey and you're, when you want to do better and implement some actions, it has to start with one action. It has to start with one thing. So that's why I started to refocus my energy in October. So it's actually quite recent. And I was like, I was feeling also frustration inside me because I was thinking, you know, I'm giving all these talks and then okay, it's cool, people are engaged, they're happy, but at the end of it, when it ends, like, do people really do things? Do they really implement something? Like, I would like this, this data, I would like this, this uh, follow-up in a way. So that's where I started interviewing quite a lot of people, in, uh, working in companies, being part of green communities, being sustainability managers, and just trying to understand their challenges. And then one thing that, two things actually came out, The first one is that there's a lack of knowledge and education in companies. So definitely there's a lack of awareness amongst employees. And the second thing is it's really hard to drive behavior change. It's really hard to change attitudes. And that's why I was like, okay, it hit me because I'm like, wow, like by creating communities, you can can really see how actually behaviors are changing. You know, when you, of course, it it takes time, but then honestly, mindsets can be changed when you put people together. So that's where it clicked because I saw also the the advantages of having green communities in companies by talking to people who were part of a, a green team or who created one. And I could see honestly the amazing things that they would do just because they had the opportunity and the space to do it as employees, as individuals who wanted to do more. But to be successful in that, you also have to start small. Yeah, I love that. So you're kind of creating micro communities within organizations to make the action 
easier to take. Yes. It's phenomenal how you have used communities in what's kept you sane as a way to take action in your neighbourhood as well as in your business as how to make um, action become more easier for, for your clients. Yeah, and also in my own journey because, you know, for example, I, I had a chat recently with one of uh, one of my participants and she told me, you know, Alia, like I started doing so many things uh, over the past few months and, and honestly it was like a lot. She has done so much and I was so proud to see that. And at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, she's just one person and she's not connected with other individuals within her ecosystem, within her company, who are also do, uh, as passionate as her. So I just feel like we are losing at the end these people because as I mentioned at the beginning, I was on my own. And even though I was doing a lot of things, I couldn't see this. I needed to be connected with other like-minded people. I needed to go to these events. I needed to connect and have this conversation to see that, oh, wow, like it's actually I'm on this journey and other people are sharing the same journey. And it really, really pushed me into going forward. Yeah, that's very cool. Like you get motivation from being surrounded by cheerleaders and, and other people that with the shared values and visions. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. This podcast is brought to you by Launchpad, a community movement for conscious entrepreneurs. If you're seeking a sounding board, advice, masterclasses, or maybe just looking for a network of people that are in your corner to support you, come to the launchpad.group website and check it out. We'd love to meet you. I want to just go back to what you talked about with your mentor. How important has that been to, to get you on the right track? And are you still working with a mentor now? Yes. So the program is running until uh, December. So actually next week there's the graduation. And we are having a session once a month. And the relationship with my mentor has been honestly amazing since the beginning. Uh, she has, you know, challenged me enough, uh, asked me the right questions. And then she really was, you know, uh, because of her experience and she's, a, she's an entrepreneur herself, she could really see like the mistakes I was doing and me kind of really wasting my energy, which was also like a waste of time. And that's where she kind of was, her role was so important because she's, she asked me the right questions and then made me really think. Like in September where she was like, Alia, that's it, stop. Choose a direction. Tell me why you're choosing this direction. What will you do? And it's really like, of course, I went into a down moment because I was like, what am I doing? But she pushed me into more thinking because I'm such an action person. If I didn't have someone who really like take me and and. I don't know, shake my brain into, you know, Alia, think now, what, what are the next steps? What do you want to do? What is it that you want to achieve? What's your mission? Just asking me all these questions, I wouldn't have taken the time to do this. And then I guess, I don't know, I wouldn't have created these programs. I wouldn't have refocused myself. So I think at any stage of any journey, it's so important to connect with someone who has also a bit more experience than you and who can either, whether it's a coach or a mentor, it's just having that person who helps you reflect on what you're doing, take a pause and then take time to think instead of being just into action, action, action as as we can be when we start a business. I mean, I, I guess you really understand that, Chris. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. And and look, you know, um, I think we're soul sisters. You know, one of my biggest flaws, I think, is that I'm very action orientated as well. And look, it, it's a great trait to have when you're starting your own business because if you're if you're not driven to action, then you know, there's a, there's always so much to do and there's like, yeah, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And usually it's at the beginning, it's all up to you. So action definitely is a great personality trait to be an action-oriented person. But yeah, I think um, having someone to bounce the ideas off and sense check the strategy is just so, so valuable. And I, I'm so glad you have a mentor. I think it, it does help you enormously just to get clear on on what success looks like. And I want to ask what what does have you got a goal for the next 12 months? Like what's your what's your goal for that year ahead? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not really a, like a goal person <laughs> like uh, who sets goals and objectives, but I guess it's just have as much um impact as possible by creating as many communities as possible. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, that would be the the biggest uh, the biggest thing for me. I mean, I still have so many ideas, right? It's just uh, just surrounding myself with the right people, and because my also the program with my mentor with Ellen in December. So I want to find another person uh, who can help me, maybe with the launchpad community. I don't know, but um, it just uh, I I haven't really. Uh, set any goals but I guess it's just keep on being in the action mode and and help drive to change uh, in as many businesses as possible yeah yeah it's a fantastic goal and tell me when you create these communities within organizations does Green Porsche um, support the communities or, or check in with them you know like what's the relationship so you I understand your business comes in and gives presentations and makes people think and, and really awakens um, the, the masses, which is phenomenal, and then creates the, the smaller green community within the company. And then does Green Push help that community to, to hit milestones or, you know, is there accountability there? Yes, that's the whole point of the tree program is uh, over actually three to six months, depending on the company and the support I want to have. But I guess that it, it you need some time to take to uh, have the company, the, not the, com- the community take off. And the tree program includes some, of course, some check-ins, uh, the creation of the social group. Uh, some monthly check-ins as well, like um, in uh, meetings by uh, where they can share about their challenges, but also what worked, what didn't work. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's also can be definitely personalized based on the the culture of the company. But I guess it's really important when a community doesn't really have like a leader. It's important to have. That's where Green Push can come in and be that you know push to really make people uh, do things because it's nice to have ideas and but then we can all be daunted by work and then not really have time but if you have someone be like okay you know in a few weeks we have a meeting together I, what what's going to be your action plan how do you want to implement that action within maybe your team or the office so it's really have that accountability by having either these check-ins or uh, monthly monthly meetings i guess it's really important some companies already appointed like in their own like champion network they already appointed like a leader so i think when there's that it's definitely fine because i it's just for any community, you should have at least one person who's, you know, 
being uh, the, the the lead of that community. It's so important to set the direction. Mm, yeah, totally. Okay, that sounds fantastic. And I think that accountability and that check-in is really required uh, to keep everyone focused. And what kind of metrics do you encourage businesses to track? Um, what you know, once you've got the tree program happening, what what are you asking companies that they should measure? I'm not asking them anything. <laughs> I think, I mean, uh, definitely companies need metrics for, um, you know, because they usually build some sustainability report at the end of the year. And I think there's amazing apps like Susgain who can help achieve that and really gather some data. So I don't have any technology with me to help gather some data. So I think that's where uh, existing apps come in to help uh, track this data that are really important for also the scope tree uh, of um, of uh, their sustainability report. But I guess as, you know, with the group that, for example, that I created on WhatsApp, I didn't need like any, let's say, real technology. WhatsApp helped me track this because I know the number of people. I know the number of events that have uh, been organized with the neighborhood. I know the amount of items that have been shared or borrowed because, you know, they give you that. So I think it's, uh, just, um, yeah, maybe it's tapping into existing communities, but it depends also on the needs of the company and what they want to see. And what are some of those apps that you recommend people download and, and take a look at? Quite a few. I mean, the main one for sure is Sasgain. Uh, I have been following the project since day one. I'm such a big fan and it has everything in it. I mean, as a, as a person who starts her own journey or even for a company, because they also help organize like all these sustainability challenges and it's super gamified. People get points for like doing good actions. And I think it's so important to have this kind of rewards also. So definitely Sasgain and it has everything in it from, you know, events, to uh, points where in Singapore, like where you can uh, refill your water bottle, uh, some conscious brands as well. They have such a, lo- a lot of partners. So it's quite a quite a cool app. I know that in Australia, there's also one similar called One, called one Small Step. I don't know if you're using it. No, I haven't heard of it. I have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. So this one is also available in Australia. Uh, there's also one, uh, I mean, the app called Olio. This one, I love it. I have been using it a lot also to donate some items. Um, there's Carousel. If you want to buy secondhand or sell some items or, yeah, find some gems there. It's a uh, it's really cool platform. Uh, there's Prep Circle in Singapore as well, where you can donate items to people who are looking, for example, to reuse some large glass jars for some art projects, things like that. So instead of going it, going to waste or to the recycling recycle bin, you can just donate to people who are looking for these items. Yeah, that is quite a lot. And um, I'm going to make sure that we've got all the links in the show notes for anyone who's listening who's interested to check it out. Um, so I've got a couple more questions and then we'll go into some rapid fire questions. Um, but I wanted to ask you, obviously there's a wave of change, um, happening, which is awesome to see, but you know, I often have this conversation with friends and I'm interested to hear what your view is on where do you see really, I suppose the change coming from, do you see it coming from corporates or from government or from individuals in terms of the change we need to need to see for the planet? That's a really good question. So for me, uh, this uh, tree, let's say, I don't know, I don't want to call it category, but let's say businesses, governments and individuals have to work hand in hand. So today I feel like there are like, you know, governments say 
that individuals should do something. Individuals say that companies should do something. Companies say that the government should do something. So you have this kind of vicious cycle when actually it has to work hand in hand because we're all um, moving towards the same direction. We're all living on the same on the same planet. Like no one, I guess, is a inhabitant of Mars yet. So I guess we all have to just work together for a better better world for tomorrow. That's for sure. So for me, it's not like as an individual, I should say that companies should do something over governments. I think that we all should do at least something. And actually, we can see so many results when you know, as of course, if as a company you have. Yes, you have the objectives of the company, what the company produces and how the company kind of pollutes also has her own impact. So this should change. But you also need to drive the change inside the company and you need to embark the employees because, you know, sometimes companies have thousands of people working for them. And then you can see, sometimes it's frustrating for me because I see in sustainability reports, oh, we have done that, we have reduced this and this. And then when you see the paragraph for employees, they're like, Oh, for the 12,000 employees that we have, we have encouraged them to switch up the light for Earth Hour this year. And you're like, what? That's it? Like, cannot be 12,000 people and asking them to turn up the light for one hour. That's nothing. So, yeah, that's why that's why I think we should all definitely do something. And as individuals, it can even start today. Just start with one action. Join a community. Have conversations with people. Try to learn something online. You know, it's, there's so many things that we can do because for me, at the end of the day, one small action plus one small action plus one small action equals really bigger change. Mm, I love that. I love that. It's a very simple formula, isn't it? Um, and tell me, where do you think we'll be in the next 10 to 15 years when it comes to this climate challenge? I hope we're going to be in a better place than today, <laughs> for sure. And uh, we, I hope, I mean, just a hope, but that more and more people will actually take action and not just be worried about climate change because today I think I read recently that 72% of people was a study from Deloitte uh, that says that 72 people feel that climate change is an emergency. Okay, it's good to feel this way, but you also need to take action as well. So it's good to be worried, but I think we should all transform that worry into something, into just... Uh, some steps that we can do to really reduce our impact. And actually, it's quite uh, powerful what we can do as individuals in the latest, uh, not the latest, I, the, I, I saw on the, I mean, I didn't read the report, but in the IPCC report, it said that if as individuals we change our lifestyles, we could reduce uh, greenhouse gases emissions from 40 to 70 percent by 2050. And that's quite a lot. So this is just to show you how individual actions matter. And it has to start with small actions because, as you mentioned, it's a journey. Change cannot happen overnight. No one's perfect, and we need to accept that. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. No one's. And I think there's no one solution fits all, that's for sure. But we should do things that, you know, are fun to us, brings us excitement and that we feel good about. And there's so many things today that we can do. There's some great apps helping you, such as Susgate. There's just so many things, that, so many communities that exist, so many learning also online. So I think it's just, uh, at the end of the day, a matter of we do, we should all do something about it. So we can look back in 10 years and say, you know, either we will say, at least we tried, you know, 
or we will be like, okay, we won. But one or the other, we did something. Yeah, yes. We can at least feel proud of our actions. Do you have any advice on how consumers and employees can really determine if an organisation is greenwashing? Because that's one thing that's happening a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's a, it's a definitely it's a big topic. So actually I talked about it uh, two days ago during a talk on uh, the fast fashion uh, impact and uh, what we can do to reduce our own like fashion impact. And greenwashing, especially for fashion brands, it's something where, you know, like a brand is kind of playing with words to create some kind of vagueness and make you think that, you know, with some green paint on whether it's uh, their campaigns or just using these colors or these words that have no real legal meaning, like eco-friendly, sustainable, sustainable, conscious collection, things like that. They make you think that, you know, it's good to buy their products. But if you take the example of a big fashion brand, at the end of the day, if you look at their capsule collection or conscious collection made from recycled fibers, for example, or sustainable fabrics, it's just a small, small part of their big production overall. So at the end of the day, if a brand is mass producing, it cannot be sustainable or called a sustainable brand. It has to come down to reducing the production overall because that's the problem that we have today. We overproduce, we overconsume. And it's about finding the balance into it. Like, do you need that much clothes? Do you need that much stuff? You know, technically you don't really need, but they make you want this. Like, for example, you go to an H&M store and they will be like, oh, just put your clothes into our recycling bins. Okay, fine. Oh, thank you so much. This is a 10% off voucher so you can buy even more clothes from us. So this is just, this should be raised this question as a consumer. Why would they encourage me to recycle and then they push me into buying more you know just ask yourself questions like this and then you will feel like okay i don't i think this is greenwashing for sure and then what you can do is just dig a little bit deeper on internet and then you will find things like oh wow out of all the items that are put in h&m bins for example actually 60 percent end up being resold in africa in african countries and you know, and out of this end up in landfill or 35% of these clothes actually end up being uh, used by power plants to be burnt, to be transformed into energy. And you're like, okay, now I know this is definitely greenwashing and this is definitely a lie. So um, I think it's about also being mindful of the messages that we see. So it's not because a brand has some green colors or uses super fancy words that it's true. So just do your own little research as consumers. There's so many great websites and you have Google, you have internet to help you on that. And also, even without internet, just try to keep in mind that kind of uh, critical mindset. Like, okay, just as uh, with the example of H&M, why did they give me a voucher? Like, do they want me to consume more? Okay, no, I don't want that. Let's see if there's another way for me to donate my clothes. So I think it's just having these uh, questions in mind to, yeah, to avoid these uh, traps. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's all, it's, it, it's about just thinking about it a little more deeply, isn't it? I read the other day that really you should only be buying about three pieces of clothing a year because that's probably all you wear out. And I was like, that's a really good, I like that number because that really helps me think, you know, well, 
if I'm buying more than that, then why, you know? So it is really interesting. Obviously, they're trying to get you back into store, right? So it's it's not actually helping the environment at all if you're just buying more. Okay, so let's jump into some rapid fire questions. I really don't want this interview to end. I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but um, we I know I can't, but uh, it's been delightful. Um, so do you have any business advice or mantras that you live by? Yeah, actually, it's funny that you asked this question. Yesterday, I read one and I think I, I should, I will stick by it. If there's a will, there's a way. And I think it's about when you have an objective in mind, so like me with the neighborhood group, for example, I just had that objective and I just found a way to make it work. And I think there's always a way to make something work. Oh, I love that one. I love that one. And I, I definitely use that one myself. Um, okay. How do you cope with stress? Do you have any self-care routines or practices that you could share with us? Yes. Um, I meditate every morning with an app called Wake Up by Sa- Waking Up with Sam Harris. And actually I discovered it in a podcast with Stephanie Dixon from Green is the New Black. So thank you so much. And actually this, this app is very good. I also do uh, when I can, like I try every now and then some 10 minutes, you know, stretching in the morning. So it really, because I'm not really a morning person. So it helps me just be in a good shape to start my day. And yeah, and just be in nature, I guess, when it feels so overwhelming, just having a walk or looking at trees uh, is just something that definitely helps. Oh, that's awesome. I like that. Um, Now, luck favors the open mind or fortune favors the bold? Um, Fortune favors the bold, for sure. Okay. We always ask our guests this, but I feel like we've spoken a lot about this today. But what does community mean for you and your business? It just means bringing people together, having conversation and inspiring action. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. What does good business mean to you? A business that uh, respects the planet, the people and the animals. (laughs) That's a big one as well. It is a big one. Have you got a favorite business book or podcast that you'd like to share with us? Uh, yes. Um, there's the podcast from Stephanie Dixon called Live Wide Awake. It's quite a cool podcast. Uh, there's, um, okay, there's one that I like to listen to, but it's in French, so I don't know if I can recommend it, but uh, it's called In Power, and it's about taking the power of your life. So if there's some French-speaking people in the audience. Uh, and for a book... Um, there's quite many, but there's one I'm reading at the moment that I quite love. It's called Atomic Habits, and it's about how to, you know, build better habits so it can be anything in your life with some uh, techniques that he shares in the book and that quite really, I mean, I feel they are quite powerful because at the end of the day, when you want to change, it's okay, you can join communities, you can have conversations and everything. But when you take action, it's about also making these actions last. And these better actions, because we all have an impact as individuals on a daily basis. So how do you keep these better actions as, and you transform them as habits? So definitely this book should be a read for everyone. Yeah, I love, I love James Clear. And I'll add to that. He's great to follow on LinkedIn and Instagram. I, I, I love his content. And one of his quotes that really speaks to me is 1% better every day. Yes, yes. You know, it's so simple and yeah. Anyway, James Clear's a great one. Um, so we believe a rising tide floats all boats. Do you have any entrepreneurs that we should invite onto this podcast? 
Yes. Um, definitely my friend Caroline from Sosgain. She's amazing, so passionate, and she has created such an amazing, not only app, but movement, and she's doing so many amazing things, and I think she could definitely be a guest uh, here. Wonderful. Oh, well, thank you so much. That was just such a wonderful conversation. And I'm just so happy that we're in the same orbit now. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how your business grows and the impact that you're going to have in Singapore and beyond. And yeah, I think, you know, your mission is just so Ah, needed. And yeah, it's so aligned to what the world and Singapore needs in particular right now. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. And thank you so much for your time and explaining, yeah, where, where you are and what you're doing. And it, it really is um, very inspirational. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. Bye. So three things I learned from this chat. Firstly, the power of the unconscious mind. It's fascinating that 95% of what we do is completely unconscious and how you really need to be proactive and deliberate about the people you surround yourself with. The second thing is how small actions plus small actions can have big impact, which is true in sustainability and also very true in the startup world. And then the last thing is really how we need to question more and have a critical mindset as a consumer and as a human being. We need to ask why. Why is the chicken rice so cheap? Why is H&M offering recycling bins? Where is the clothing going? Thank you for listening to Good Business. Okay, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Selfishly, I created this podcast for my own personal growth. I really wanted to spend an hour with these amazing entrepreneurs that really inspire me. Of course, I also created it for you, our listeners, and the wider community at Launchpad, where we're a group of entrepreneurs all trying, or aspiring rather, to create better businesses together. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you have any feedback, suggestions, or just want to reach out, please do. I'd love to hear from you. You can catch me on email at chris at thehoneycombers.com or go to the launchpad.group website and check it out. Thanks for listening and I hope you leave as inspired as I am to create your own good business.